to the Role Player Podcast. I am Jordan Taylor, joined by my co-host, Stanford Gentleman's 11-year overseas vet and CEO co-founder of Switch Cultures, the one and only Anthony Goods. What's happening, man? What's good with you? Yeah, I'm chilling, man. You keep wearing these hats. I'm going to have to get you a Swish hat, man. You over there hurting, boy. That, the hairline leaking. We got to get you a fitted, though. The hairline leaking out that uh, out the front door. I'm pull that shit down real quick. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's tough times, man. Winter is coming type shit. You know, it's hard out here. You see how I just cut the whole little hair part out the episode because, nah, you know, nah, I, nah, I, nah, yeah, nah. I'm, I'm fucked up right now. My beard making my face look fat. Dude, I'm just, <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tight on me, man. It's tight. But nah, man, we got a, a very special guest today, man. We got the, damn, you know what? We got to start over, bro. I got the uh, Swiss cultures part. Nah, don't Switch worry cultures. about it. Don't worry about it. All right, fuck it, fuck it, fuck yeah. it, fuck it. Roll, roll, roll. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> All right, we got a very special guest today, man. We got a, a Euro League champion, a Euro League Final Four MVP, all first team, all Euro League first team and second team, a three-time VTB League champion, a Turkish Super Cup winner, a Turkish League All Star, and all Israeli League second team, Israeli League top scorer, which is crazy for real, uh, Bu- Bundesliga All Star. And then, of course, back to his college days, Big 12, all Big 12 player. We got the one and only Mr. Will Clyburn. Will, appreciate you joining us. Man, I appreciate you for having me, man. Thanks a lot. I should probably just did this a while ago. I remember y'all asking me about this uh, a minute ago, probably. Hey, man, uh, yeah, we glad you could get on here. You know, everybody yeah. got busy schedules these days. We all getting grown and shit like that. So we just appreciate you catching up with us, man, for real. So don't even trip. Don't even trip. But look, man, we're going to start with your journey, man. We just mentioned you've been you've been in quite a few places, not not all over the place, but you've been Germany, Israel, uh, Russia, and now back to Turkey. Turkey, two stints, two different stints, two different teams. Uh, so we just want to talk about your journey, um, you know, how you you know started in Ulm, uh, or went to Ulm, went to Halon, went crazy in Halon, which is what you average over there? 20, 21, something like that. But you was having thirty five, thirty sixes off there, man. That was that was fun. We was we was getting our ass kicked, but uh, it, was, it was fun. It was definitely fun out there. Yeah, you got to play for Dan Shamir, who was an assistant for uh, Tori Messina and Cheska, and now back there with uh, with him in Milan now. So what, what was that like playing? He's man, I love Dan. He's a he's a dope coach, man. man. You know what, man? Uh, Dan came in. Uh, I want to say six or seven games after. Uh, after we lost a couple, uh, they fired the coach mm-hmm. and he came in and he brought me in and I listen, you gotta score the ball, you gotta you gotta carry this team. And basically, man, he gave me the ultimate freedom. I have more freedom than I've ever had playing basketball, ever. <laughs> and he just hey, go out there and play. It was times where he had three, four guys setting screens at me at one time, like just go play, go try to score. <laughs> I mean, I love Dan, man. Dan, like, started everything, I want to say, from me getting to this point, from the phone calls he made after that season, everything happened because of him. Everything. Uh, man, you know, after man, that year, man. I averaged 20 points, led the league in scoring, and I didn't sign a contract until September. Mm. Like no, it wasn't even it wasn't even September. No, that was the year before. Like it was, I was still in the summertime with no deal. 
No deal at all. It was crazy yeah. to me. No deal. You liked to like no deal at all. It was a struggle. It was a okay. struggle. It, it came down to maybe we have this Damn. team. Uh, it was a team out of Avellino in Italy. Mm, and yeah. that was a slow process. And uh, Dan called me one day just to check up on me. Just regularly just checking up on me. Like, How is it going? Uh, you got a team yet? And I'm like, no, I'm still still waiting. Uh, he said, okay, I'm going to call you back. Uh, he didn't call me back. David Black called me. <laughs> uh, and I don't know if you know, them two are like best friends. Yeah. So he yeah. called me and was like, hey, man, uh, we got an open spot here. I'd love for you to join us, blah, blah, blah. Uh, come to Dar Shafaka. We got, we got minutes. We got some money. Uh, like I said, come play EuroLeague. And that's how that all happened. Like that, just like that. So. Uh, that's crazy. Right, it was. It was did insane. It, did, did it? Did it never? You didn't want to go back to Halone, obviously. Or what stopped you from pulling the trigger on going back to Halone? It was just uh, obviously the money wise. Uh, I thought I played way better than, uh, like I said, what I was making. And obviously, you want to keep yeah. taking steps up. I had already took a step back. Nothing against Halone, but coming yeah. from Germany, playing Euro Cup, to going back a level, playing Israeli league, only one game a week. I had already took a step back, so I'm like, I don't want to stay at this level. So it was more about uh, just trying to keep going forward, keep pushing the needle forward. Damn, that's that's crazy as hell. So I guess, man, we, we talk a lot about, you know, Americans and how it's different for Americans than international players. Um, so I guess for you, how how difficult was it changing roles kind of every year? You know, you went from home and playing Euro Cup where, you know, you probably, you know, obviously you got to you got to shoot and do all that. And probably you, you've always been like a Swiss Army knife to 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 some extent um, to go to have to score the ball back to being a Swiss Army knife. How difficult is it to change roles every year? And what do you take pride in the most on the floor? What part of your game do you take most pride in? <sighs> You know what, man? Surprisingly, it's not a huge adjustment for me, man. Uh, okay. Surprisingly, I played for like some great coaches, and uh, they never tried to change who I was. They never tried to make me do mm-hmm. something differently. They always let me have my complete freedom uh, from Black, from Dan Shamir to Atutis to Ottoman Na. Like, everybody has gave me complete freedom. I think the I want to say the probably the biggest adjustment for me is like uh, going from Halone to Darshafaka, Darshafaka to Cheska was had, being surrounded by other talented guys, like really talented guys mm-hmm. where I'm not the first option. I'm not the second option. So you damn near have to just get in where you fit in. And uh, right. I think that was probably the the biggest adjustment at the same time. You could just put me on the floor, and I say this to people all the time, like, I'm going to get mine somewhere. I'm going to – just being on the floor, having minutes, I'm going to find mine somewhere around the floor. Uh, that's rebounding, that defense. I already know defense and rebound is going to keep me on the floor. It's been doing wonders for me so far. Right. 
Right. Like I say, if you keep me on the floor, I'm going to get some points here and there. I'm going to backdoor some free throws and fouls. It don't matter. But, yeah, I think uh, I think that was probably the biggest adjustment for me, just playing with other talented guys, especially when I got to Cheska. That was – we were loaded. And which, yeah, yeah, those Cheska teams, man, I mean, I think that uh, – I can only I can only imagine what improvement that does just even in even in practice, you know what I'm saying? Just just having that level of talent, you know what I'm saying, uh to to play against and then kind of like you said, I mean, you score from so many I would say in so many different ways. Um how do you so how do you go into like let's just say going year after year, how do you go about like treating like a weakness? Like where do you where do you put your focus on like year to year? Do you base it off of, okay, I felt like I didn't shoot. Let's just say like pull-ups the greatest this year. So I'm going to go into the off season focusing on that or whatever. Cause I, I mean, I feel like, you know, it'd be one game you're getting off in the post. It's another game you're getting off on isolations. You know what I'm saying? It's just, uh, it's something different, but how do you go about like tailoring your game year in and year out? Uh, me and my guy in the summertime, David, uh, David Bell, uh, like I said, he watches a lot of my games, and the one thing that he kind of focused on is my post work and, like I said, that mid-range area. And that's kind of, I want to say, the part where I need the most work at, usually in the summertime to attack. And surprisingly, each year they've used me more and more in the post. Each year. It went from home, no posting, really. Uh, alone, no posting. Even Darcy Faka, it was very limited posting. And then when I went to Cheska, it was, hey, any mismatch, you go down low. So after I had that one year, I'm like, okay, I got to work on my post game and try to add another dimension to it. I feel like I was always okay post player, but it was still some stuff I needed to add it uh, add to my game when it came to the post. So I think that's probably it, man, just – seeing where these coaches are going to play you at. I always try to have that conversation before I get to a team, too. Uh, how are you planning on using me? What do you want me to do, like I said, to fit into the offense? And they always tell me exactly what I need. And a two-dish, for sure, it was post-work and spot-up jump shots. Yeah, so. Uh, hey, how – how many how many how many of these dudes like you ask them what they're gonna use you for? Is it always accurate? And these dudes go against like you know what I'm saying? You know what so, so so far, man, it's been accurate, man. Uh <laughs> I still remember the first conversation I had with uh Tudis uh before I went to Cheska. We talked about my three point shot. He was like, Listen, uh there's nothing wrong with your shot. Right? You have good form, there's nothing wrong with your shot. You just need to keep shooting and keep working. Because I don't know if every, I don't know if everybody knows this. Uh, I played against Madrid in the playoffs with Darja Faka. It was uh we had we were the eight seed. They were the one seed. The first two games I was destroying them. I was getting when I wanted to get into the basket. The third game they came out with a game plan. Nobody stepped above the free throw line. <laughs> Nobody steps above it. Whoever's guarding me, you stay below the free throw line. And the first time you catch Damn. the ball, you look like, man, I'm why am I so open? Clank. <laughs> I, I come down again, open again, clank. And man, that right there, it was it destroyed me, man. That was 
I want to say that was yeah. a turning point. That was a turning point for me. Well, I'm like, man, I can never let this shit happen to me again. Hey, ain't too, ain't too many cats say they've been Bron though before. Bro. Did you like pop did Bron in the bro, playoffs? Right, man. Yeah. <laughs> bro, they, they sat below that free throw line. And me being me, I still tried to drive. I still tried to get in there. <laughs> and I'm like, so yeah, man. Uh, I think that was kind of a big key for me, man. Because when I got the Cheska, man, he literally played me exactly like other people would do. Go under the screen. He said out loud. Go under the screen. Don't check him out oh, there. He's talking to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's talking crazy, man. I'm like, hey, I got to shoot it. So, and when I got there, man, if I shot it, that was it. It didn't matter if I miss or make, take the shot. It's, so did you see that the rest of the series or what happened? At, like, with that, oh, yeah, they, know, destroyed, that, uh, they destroyed us after that because of I couldn't get to the basket, and I wasn't hitting down. The, I wasn't knocking down the jump shots. It was, it was curves after that. Mm. So they basically took me out of the game. Damn, <laughs> it was right. It was some, it was embarrassing, man. Oh, it was embarrassing. Uh, so what did you, what did you take into the summer? That was it. Was it just straight jump shots for the first month, two months of the summer? Man. Uh, I want to say, uh, where was I at that summer, man? I was in Michigan with my pops that summer. Uh, mm. My pops. And uh, it was days where I would have him rebound for me. And uh, I had to make 10 in a row each spot. I wouldn't mm. move. I didn't care. I didn't care how many I missed. I was not leaving that gym until I made 10 in a row each spot. So it was days where, man, he was exhausted. Because I wouldn't let him leave. I'm like, bro, <laughs> we're not leaving until we do this. So it was mostly that, man. It was so many spot ups going into that summer, like nonstop, nonstop spot ups. I refused yeah. to have that to happen to me again. Hey, man. Hey, listen, it was embarrassing, man. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. So, so we said we watching you the other night against Red Star. We noticed too, uh, Adam. He got you even playing point guard now a little bit, right? With uh, it looks like you play playing the one or bringing the ball up, initiating offense. And obviously, we touched on, on you playing on the block and all that. So, that being said, you have a different array of skills. You're not really a wing no more. So, do you think the wing position is becoming extinct in in Europe? Like I said, it's a lot of bigs, a lot of combo guards, and hybrid forwards like yourself. So, what is, do you do? You think the wing position is becoming extinct? And what's your thoughts on that? Man, I don't know, man. Uh, I really don't know. Uh, I feel like. Uh, there's only a couple of us left where they can uh, kind of create those wing mismatches, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. I still think that I'm kind of the only one as of right now. I'm pretty sure there's some coming up that uh, can kind of do those different things. Uh, you put a bigger guy on me, he's too slow. You put a smaller guy on me, take him down. But I don't know, man. Uh, I probably have to look into the league and see the wings that are coming up and whatnot. But mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like everybody's a combo now. I feel like if you strictly just play the wing, like if you playing like it limits like, you. You know, you could yeah, it, it does. You're, or you're just a shooter. You yeah, know what it, I'm saying? It limits you. Because... Or you're just a shooter. Like everybody's combo guard, hybrid forward. You're gonna play some three. You're gonna play some four. Or you just like a straight big. But you got a uh, I don't know, man. You got Vasa. You got Shane. They're gonna do most of the ball handling. And then, like I said, if you a wing position, 
you stuck into that three and D guy. So it's mm. yeah. Uh, uh, hold on, are you considering yourself still a wing? Nah, I'm. Uh, okay. nah, I can't, I even, say, I can't yeah. even say I'm a wing anymore. Uh, because <laughs> right now, like I said, if Boss is tired and he got, obviously they're gonna put a a tough guy on Vasa or Shane. And they can't be dribbling the ball up the floor every possession to get into the offense. So, like I said, me bringing the ball up the floor just takes pressure off them. Now they can come and score in a half set, a half court set, and not work as hard to get the ball up the floor against pressure full court. I, I feel like I feel like it's not even the wings are not even three and D guys. I feel like they just three guys in Euroleague. Like, <laughs> hey man, it's, 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 getting no point, man. it's getting to that point, man. It's getting to that point. Getting to that point. Yo, what uh, what uh, what similarities do you see between Ephes and then Cheska being on being with the being with the two programs? The freedom. Uh, when you have talented players, talented guards, we had Nando, we had Chacho, we had Corey. Like, you get those guys freedom, it's nothing you can do. It's nothing you can do. And then the same thing, you got Vasa and Shane that had the ultimate freedom to play their game how they want to. Now, if you got guys that are in the system, sometimes they're not as talented because they have to play within this offense and within the system. But this guy is just a... Go play your game, and you have the freedom to do what you need to do, to score the ball or make plays. And I think that's probably the the biggest similarity right there. It's like you have great great guards, and you got a coach that's giving you ultimate freedom. So that being said, what's uh, you had like you said, you had a lot of freedom in Halone, and then uh, you went to Cheska, and you said you wasn't the first, second, or whatever option, you know, third, fourth option, whatever. What do you think for a guy coming overseas? If you had to, if you had a choice, what's better for development? Is it better to be that guy on Halone, or is it better to try and you know be in Ulm or whatever it is, and you know fit in, be maybe the third, fourth option on a really good team? Better to be the man on a bad team, or trying to try and learn how to play on a good team? You know, me personally, I'm gonna go with Halone first. I mean, uh, Germany mm-hmm. first. I'm going to go to Germany. Uh, just because, man, the struggle for me learning the the way the Europeans played, the physicality was different. Um, even, like, running with the ball, I was getting called for travel when I first got here, that open step. Like, sometimes you would rather be a role player just learning the steps and then finding your way that way and then later on, because you come in right away as the guy, they expect everything from you right away. And you know how these teams are over here. Like, if you're not producing mm-hmm. and you the guy, that's it. Mm-hmm. So I think that was best for me <laughs> yeah. to just come there where the team that's already established and I can kind of find my way within the system and, like, okay, this is where I'm going to flourish at. This is where I'm going to play. Because uh, when I first got to Germany, I struggled. That first year, I didn't start playing until like January, January, February is when I really started to get adjusted and start to actually play. So those first couple months, if I'm the guy, there's no way I make it that long. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Go ahead. No, nah, I was gonna say, man. I think it. I think it's important too, because like, if you come in as the man, then once you do elevate to a team where you're not, now you have so much. You got so much BS to deal with mentally and on the court. You know, just trying to adjust. Like, I mean, I don't think people put into uh, take into account just the uh, just the adjustment, just being in Europe, especially as a young guy. Like, just being in Europe, there's just so much you got to adjust to, just from the temperament of coaches and you know your teammates and all that other stuff. Like, so I do think it's important to kind of have, especially once before you get to those higher levels, to have that that experience, you know, like you said, just, just learning how not to travel and, you know, just how to deal with, you know, just everything around you, because there's going to come a point where you're not the focal point and then you're going to have to adjust. And then you don't want to end up having that be a bad situation. It was, uh, I want to say, uh, when I came from Halone to Dr. Fokker, they had Brad Wanamaker. They had James Anderson that just left from the league. They had Scotty Wilbekin that was already there the year before. They had guys that had already played on a level of making crazy money at the time. And uh, when I first came here, I'm like, all right, no, they got their guys. I'm the last pickup. I ain't going to really play. I'm going to use the experience, take whatever they're giving me, and then go about my business. But he came to me and was like, listen, act like you belong here. You're going to play. I'm going to give you an opportunity. And you just got to go out there and take advantage of it. And that's kind of what happened in that in that aspect. Uh, I ended up playing more than the guys that they were supposed to be the guys. And yeah. but I was okay with the adjustments. I was okay with fitting in a role at the same time. I think I'm okay See. with fitting in any role uh, with any team. Basically, uh, that's I want to say that's the kind of what I pride myself on: just being able to fit in in any situation. See, you you kind of you kind of unique talent in Europe, I'd say, where like you six eight, you can handle the ball, you can shoot it, like you you really don't have, like even if you don't have like maybe a supreme straight, you don't have a weakness for damn sure. Like you good at you good at everything. So I say, but for most guys in Europe, it's tough because it's like you have to, like you said, you have to be the man, you have to produce in order to get to that higher level. And then once you get to that higher level, it's still like this weird taboo in Europe where it's like, all right, you know, you, you got to do exactly what's asked of you. Otherwise, it's not going to be enough. You know what I mean? Like these, these European guys, for instance, they they kind of grow up whether I was watching the game, like someone like Lazic or, or what's his name from Red Star. That man been playing defense, picking up full and fouling dudes for <laughs> three and two. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he the one I'm, I'm gonna take the three out. He just D uh, pause. <laughs> he, just, he, just, he, just, he just D, and he been doing that his whole career. Whereas Americans, you know, I don't I don't think Americans typically are afforded that luxury. So I feel like it's tough. I guess that's why I asked the first question. It's it's tough. It's tough to. Um, I feel like the game is really slanted in that way, and it's tough to navigate that space uh, of of kind of of finding the balance of what you have to do night in, night out. Yeah, I agree. So uh, definitely, definitely, America's not going to get away with that. There's no way you get away with that right there. <laughs> I can't even think of one. No, like, I can't think of one guy that can get away with with that right there. 
It, just playing defense. Hell just playing nah. defense and nah, nah. You know, you know who it was. Somebody said. Uh, somebody tried to say it was it was Dante Draper when he was with Madrid, and we got in the hole. And I don't, I don't even know if y'all, but it was like he did that in Madrid, but he was instead of Vita getting to it. You know, I right. never had, seen. Had, a, I never <laughs> seen the Madrid Dante Draper man. I never actually seen him. I mean, he was he was out there chilling. Honestly, he had a from what I saw. I don't know the ins and outs, of, but he had a great job. Man, was playing some defense and like shit. I well, I wish I could go out there and just go. You know what I'm saying? Get a million dollars to play 15 minutes and, and pick up. You know what I'm saying? Ain't bad but, at all. Hey, but Americans gotta Americans gotta prove uh, Americans gotta prove things way beyond uh, pretty much beyond the shadow of a doubt as opposed to international players. And I guess my, my question, I'm just I'm making a statement, my question would be for both of y'all, is the game becoming a little too slanted towards international players? And me and Ann have talked about kind of how being an international player is the best thing you could be right now. But is the game on both sides, NBA and, and Europe, becoming too slanted towards international players? Uh, I'm going to go... Uh... I'm gonna go with if we talking about over here. I'm gonna go with just goes with the situation because some guys, sometimes some guys they depend on their Americans. Mm-hmm. Like some teams, uh, like some of the Europeans is not playing. Some of the homegrown kids is not playing. But for sure, and I'm gonna say this for sure, they have an advantage when it comes to the eye test across the waters. Uh, like say in the mm-hmm. states, for sure they. They have the advantage by far. Uh, just, I think there's a lot more talented people. Just in my opinion, a lot more talented people uh, in the states. In the states, in the states, yeah. than these young European kids that I don't know. Not all of them. I'm not gonna say all of them, but they definitely get of more course. of a leeway when it comes to it. Yeah. Uh, definitely get more of a leeway. I think. I think- I think too, man. I think just the basketball world as a whole puts too much. Uh, they they invest a little too much in this narrative that like, oh, he's playing with grown men, et cetera, et cetera. Man. It's like it's like you swear like you ain't got high school kids playing against grown men in the states, like you know what I mean. And I think that you know they look at a kid and like, oh, okay, he's playing with grown men, but he's playing five minutes a game or whatever it is. And I just I just don't think that that narrative predicts whether this player is going to be a good player because at the end of the day he's not athletic enough he's got to get stronger you know what i mean and there's just there's just so many other parts to the game but i think the uh the international players especially in regards to the league you know they're, they're, they're definitely uh they fit right into that agenda in regards to you know the nba trying to trying to globalize and expand on the business side and i think you know in europe obviously they're always going to get and this is just generally speaking, I feel like they're always going to get the advantage because in Europe, I mean, you got to invest in your hometown or, you know, the, uh, the, the native players, you know what I'm saying? That's how you move the league forward. So it's like, that has to be part of your agenda. You know what I'm saying? So I get it. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely afforded some things that, you know, Americans can't, but you also you also got to take into account the the grown men that they playing like you can't just say grown men like what grown men man like who y'all like who y'all talking about for real but i, I would also say not only and and will i kind of want to hear what, what you got to say about this um i would also say not just the younger kids but 
at an older level, you take, and no disrespect uh, to anybody, but at the older level, the Compazos, the dudes like that, I feel like it's more they're more inclined to give them guaranteed NBA deals and kind Guarante- of, get, you know, stuff Guarante- like that. Guaranteed, man. So, so tell, I mean, tell me what you think about that, and then also tell me you've been EuroLeague seven years now, widely regarded by damn near consensus as a top five, top ten EuroLeague player. So what – why have you gotten any guaranteed NBA offers? And if so, why not? Uh, <clears throat> we've always, every summer we go and evaluate the summer and we like, okay, what are we going to do? Uh, we're going to call around, see what's going on. And the closest I've been was to, to OKC. The closest I've been. Mm. And uh, it was one of the situations where a team was offering me, Jessica was offering me at the time, three years guaranteed money. And this team was out for me one year minimum. And who knows if I'm the 10th, 7th, 13th guy. Who knows? It was mm. so much, like I said, unknown there. And obviously, I'm, I'm about to be, I don't know how old I was then, three years ago, 29. I'm like, there's no way I go take a chance with one year minimum not knowing if I'm going to play and actually get the, the opportunity to really like to go out there and hoop or I can take three years guaranteed money and I'm somewhere where I'm going to be the guy. So I think uh, every summer was like that. Every summer we got calls and every summer it was, oh, we can't do anything to July. Oh, we can't do anything until after free agency starts. But, you know, over Europe, all the good jobs are gone. Yeah. June, May, like, they're signing people early. So it was – I guess it was more about safety for me uh, than that because uh, we got called all the time. Uh, come it, to was, camp, it was – the minimum was guaranteed? The minimum was guaranteed, but it was always come to camp, come here, come chill with us for the summer, come – the Clippers wanted me to come up, be with them for the summertime. OKC asked me to be with them for the summertime. But I'm like, what do I, what am I going to get out of this? Yeah. Uh, at what point, well, like, what am I, I'm missing my summer. That's to be the main thing. I'll be missing a summer. And for something that maybe it's not guaranteed. Did, did you feel like, did you feel like, uh, had you taken, Did you feel like uh, that you could go back to Europe at any time? You know what I mean? Like, did you feel like, say, you go to OKC, and if it doesn't work out, you could go back to Chester, you could go back to Mukabi, and it wouldn't, and just kind of seamlessly fit back in, save money? Uh, I, was, I always thought I could come back to Europe, but I want y'all to uh, check this out. So, say I leave Chester. Say I leave Chester, and obviously I'm the guy at Chester. And obviously they got to replace me. They bring the next guy in, and he's playing uh-huh. great. That spot is gone. I'm not getting mm-hmm. that back. I can't. Mm-hmm. The money is not the same. I can't get that spot back. So, and that goes for any place. That goes for any place else. If you come in back, I'm not saying you got to start over, but that price range is not the same. That that spot may not be the same. Uh, it was never a doubt that I can come back over here, but it was a, a spot where 
I'm making the most of it. I'm making the most money. And like I'm going to have the opportunity to really play my game again. So I think that was it for me. Does a does a part of you um, wish you would have took a chance? Because, I mean, I think everybody everybody that's familiar with EuroLeague basketball knows that your game seems like it's, like, perfect for the league. Like, especially, you know, these days and, I mean, even before, I mean, you know, but th- does a part of you wish, like, man, I wish I would have took a chance and, and, and seen what happened? Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, but I got to live with that. That's something I gotta live with. Uh, definitely. Uh, every time I get a phone call or a text about it, uh, it's like, man, did I did I sell myself short? It's always, it's always that that thought in the back of my head. I try not to think about it too much because I want to drive myself crazy, but <laughs> it's, it's always that thought in the back of my head. I feel like I, if I could have had the right opportunity, that. I could have established myself there and been all right. So, yeah, it's yeah, this is something I'm gonna have to live with for sure. But I think in a in a in a way, you kind of got closure in the sense that like you had a guaranteed deal, even yeah. if it was for the minimum. Yeah. So it's not a, it's not a question of like skill. It's just more so opportunity. You know, analyzing your own situation as far as like you know what you want to do financially, and then. Um, you know, and then also like, I think, I don't know, man, I, I just think giving some of these guys the minimum, you know, especially established players like in yeah. Europe, I think that that's just, I, I don't know. I, I just think it's, it's kind of, it's kind of disrespectful at, at times, but it's you know, especially, especially to the Americans. Man, I talked to uh, uh, the assistant GM for, uh, OKC where we were in, we were in his office and we were talking and, uh, You know, he kept it 100 with me. He didn't try to sell me a dream. He didn't try to say, hey, this is what it's going to be. He was like, listen, it's the minimum worth. What do you, how do you put it? Uh, he basically told me it's the minimum worth playing, being a 10th, 13th guy, maybe not playing, maybe play sometime, or actually being somewhere where you want to be and they actually want you and you're making a lot more money. He's like, me personally, I wouldn't do it. This is assistant GM telling me this. He's like, I wouldn't do it. Uh, I wouldn't ask you to do it. I wouldn't ask my son to do something like that. And that right there was like, <laughs> it's that's like he kept whining with me. He told me exactly what it was, and it was no way I could say, yeah, I, I want to do this. <laughs> it was, I, I want to come play the minimum, play the minimum, and I want to be the tenth or thirteen guy. I'm still young. I still can play. I think that was it for me, man. It's that right, that conversation right there was like, all right, I'm, I'm done, and whatever happens, happens. And I still don't think. Uh, obviously, I, I like my, I like both my agents. I like both of them uh, for sure. Mishko never wanted me to leave here. I don't know if you guys know Mishko. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He cool. definitely, he definitely wanted me to leave. He always had something <clears throat> early for me, early where it's it damn near. I don't even have a chance to even make it to the summertime. So he always had some early phone words like, hey, listen, this is this is good money. You probably won't get this if you wait any longer. So it was always something like that where I never even gave it a chance to get to that point. 
<laughs> well, on the on the on the topic of the NBA, we got to ask. It's a hot button topic right now. Who you taking, Victor or Scoop? Number one overall. Well, I watched that game, and uh, I watched some of Vic's. Uh, I haven't watched much of Scoot, but, uh, bro, Vic is unreal. Unre- Nobody in that side is moving like that. Nobody. You can't teach that. You can't teach 7-4, even though my man's probably physically more ready, but just the, the what if. You can't take Scoot over Vic. It's just no way you can. I mean, I, th- I think you get fired if you take if you take Scoot over Vic. Yeah, like sure. just just off, just off the strength that just off the strength of what you said. But I did see someone say that Scoot was a safer pick for the reason just because he's more physically ready. Is probably maybe a lower ceiling, but a more but a higher floor. How tall is Scoot? Six four. Yeah, he's somewhere around there. Six, four, six, five. Uh, I've never seen him in person. But <laughs> I mean, the thing is with Scoot, I feel like Scoot is uh, I feel like Scoot is great. But I mean, I think that it still takes a while for these guys to like develop. Like, you know, what I mean, it, unless he's John Morant, you know, what I mean, and I, I mean, I've heard people trying to give him those type of comparisons, but. I mean, even a John Morant type of player, like, that comes around every, what, five, six years? You know what I'm saying? So it's like to really pass up on 7'4 with an 8-foot wingspan and, and and try to put your franchise in the hands of somebody that's 6'4, granted it is a guard's league, I don't know. I just think it's a, I just think it's a risk. And I think that Victor, Victor has um, repeated – Victor's repeatedly showed us that – when the lights are on and it means it means the most, he's gonna compete. Like it was against him and Scoot the summer before it was uh versus him and Chet. You know what I mean? I think that um, you know, Victor he he's competitive, bro, and he shows out. Like he had thirty six and thirty seven, like back to back nights. Hey, listen, you like, can't say anything about him. I I don't care. Uh is you can't teach that, man. And then he has a crazy work ethic. And right. I don't think people realize that. Like, uh, I remember we were going to play them, and he was the last one in the gym, still shooting. Mm-hmm. Like, we had to wait for him to get off the floor. And uh, right. he was still putting in time, still putting in shots. And everybody that I've heard about him said the same thing. Like, he loves to work. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, nah, I talked to I talked to uh, I talked to one of his trainers. He works out with a trainer here in the states, man. And he said, like, he said that, and he and he said he's worked with D Wade. He's worked with a bunch of players, and he said that he thinks that Victor could be the best player that he's ever trained because he said, like, number one, physically he's got everything, but he said, like, this kid wants to be the best player, like, ever. Like, he wants to be the best, and I think that. You know, when you got that kind of a mentality. And then when he said, uh, I guess when he's in a press conference and he said, like, you know, Scoot's the best player. He's a good player. And, uh, you know, he, he probably would deserve to be number one if I wasn't hey, born. The when he said line. that as a French kid, I was like, right, the coldest <laughs> line ever. I was like, wow. <laughs> that was. But do you see, when y'all, uh, like I said, I watched a couple of games over here, like when he's playing with, like I said, the European teams, 
like the way he's blocking shots and having people just yeah, looking like kids or when he's doing post moves and a guy is nowhere near able to contest it's almost like yeah. he's playing with kids in general and these are playing with grown men mm-hmm. yeah. the ball's coming out of him and he's just throwing his own shot up dunking the ball it, it don't it look like a cartoon it's funny to me, like, uh, if you look at, like, some of his blocks on, like, switches or, like, pick and rolls, you see, like, players just have a, a tough time judging the gap. You know what I mean? The gap between him and, like, oh, I can get this shot off. And then as soon as that hand come up, yes. you can do. it's over. Uh, he didn't got me before. He didn't, he didn't got me before. Well, I'm like, hey, uh, he didn't uh, you. I'm like, uh, maybe I should have dunked that one. I don't know why I try to just lay it up. Well, yeah, he didn't got me before <laughs> like that, man. I'm a, man. Yeah. There's no way he goes anything but number one. You, you, you taking him over eighteen year old Brian? No. <laughs> it, 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 it's hard because I've already seen Brian's body of work. Yeah, you know what I'm Brian was <laughs> back then. <laughs> Body wise, body wise, Brian was like you seen Brian's body and you seen how he was moving and jumping and you Bro, were like, all right, this was. I'm still taking Brian. The way he was moving, it. how fast he was, nah, there's no way. He the he the only he the only uh, he the only prospect. What in the last said that we've seen that you can even ask that question though? Yeah, easily. Yeah, was, mm. that's a fact. I'm curious. I would have loved to see who they would have took uh, him over Chet if they're in the same draft class. Everybody had high hopes on Vic. Chet. Yeah, yeah. Nah, Vic. Yeah, I think Chet's good. Yeah. And quiet as it's kept, the way uh, OKC looking uh, this year, they might be in the running for this month. Like, they, Man, that shit would be crazy. That would be crazy. They had Chet, <laughs> had Chet for, and Victor. Somebody for sure tanking. I don't know who's going to do it. <laughs> Bro, it's yes, a race to the bottom. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yes, you do. Everybody, <laughs> you, you, you know exactly who's doing it. <laughs> hey, but uh, but look, man, you spent like we said before, you spent five years, five seven years uh, in Euroleague, five of them in Cheska. How important was uh, finding a home and that continuity of being in one place to your to your performance, uh, particularly overseas? Uh, um. I guess you can say it's really important, man. Just knowing where I was going to be every summer. It was never the stress of going through, worried about where my next deal was. I think that's it's always a bit, uh, you're always able to sleep better at night knowing that. Like I said, I'm going to be here for the next three years, and that's it. But I said, my kid, uh, my son was there shit, all five years of his life. He's only five now. So this is probably the first place he's been to. Outside of wrestling, uh, but yeah, I want to say yeah, it's I want to say that's important, man. Just being comfortable, and we were definitely comfortable there. It was never a point where I'm like, yeah, I want to leave here. Uh, I didn't plan on it. I had signed two more. I signed two more years before uh, the whole war thing broke out and stuff. So I planned on being there for seven years. <clears throat> so. Do you- it was you, one of those you wear that as like a you wear it as like a badge of honor. Uh, and I feel like shit. How many how many Americans, especially in Euroleague, 
There's not a lot of Americans that get to stay in one place. Stay in one for place. Shit, even two years for real. So to stay in one place for five for five years, like I, I, I view that as like damn, like they should low key. I don't know if they're gonna retire your number of jersey there, but it's got to be you know some type of ring of honor at least. Some I, t- I talked to him about that, and I'm like, man, listen, I don't want to leave her. I told him before, like this is where I want to finish it. Obviously, everything happened, and I couldn't do it like I wanted to. But like I said, that's why I said I'll go back just to finish there, just to play my last year there if I could mm. if they would bring me back but that was like I said I plan on being there for seven years <laughs> I was definitely going to finish mm. there I didn't plan on leaving uh, it was home uh, and I felt like I was one of them so it was never a sense of like man I need to get the hell out of here right the only thing that got me out of there this year was just because I couldn't do the the VTB one game a week. Uh, I still wanted to play yearly. I feel like I still needed some accomplish some stuff that I haven't accomplished yet. So I wanted to win another year league title. I still got other stuff I want to do. So I just definitely didn't want to like to lead that where I'm like, man, what if? All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, keep writing that story, man. But um. Kind of, kind of backtracking, going back to the uh, to the Victor situation, the Victor versus the uh, the Ignite. One of Victor's teammates, uh, he was also a former teammate of mine. His name is Steve Ho You Fat. Uh, went viral um, after playing the Ignite because of his last name, and uh, Steve's now going to start selling jerseys with his name on it. And it's funny because back when we played together in France, like I had a bunch of people in my DMs like, yo, bro, get his jersey. Like I'll pay for it, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> and now I, I, I was kind of I was kind of happy to see that because he's going to actually, you know, start to make some money off of his name as opposed to people just laughing about it, joking about it online. But uh, so I guess the question is, should overseas players be able to profit off of let's say like Jersey sales and, you know, some of the, uh, some of the opportunities that they bring to these teams overseas. No, I think so. Uh, I'm happy for do it. Cause that's, that's big. Uh, I'll buy that Jersey myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I definitely buy that Jersey. Uh, yeah, I think people should, man. Uh, obviously everyone else is doing it. Everyone else is making money off of it. So why not be able to make money off your own name? Uh, obviously we still working on that with, uh, we got a Alpha, the Elpa Euroleague Association, so we're still trying to work on that and get stuff done. Obviously, I don't think I'm gonna be in the league by the time they get that going, but uh, they're trying. <laughs> they're trying to uh, trying to slowly get there to that point where they can start to profit off their own name and their likeness. So hopefully, it happens sometime soon. But I think it's definitely a process of it. Yeah, I think it's. I think too, man. Uh, you know, for for players that you know are really, let's just say, um, selling selling tickets, like when uh, when, like when Sheck West or whoever signed in uh, what he signed in Paris, like during the pandemic for like a couple mm-hmm. games, or even like J Cole or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, I think when you have people that are, you know, bringing putting asses in them seats, like uh, I feel like they do deserve, you know, to get some type of a cut you know, out of that action. But uh, you also know these European teams going to try and keep every penny to themselves. Like, Everybody broke. 
Teams be acting like Terry Crews on Everybody oh, Hates Chris, don't they? We don't got it. So uh, that's funny, man. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> but yo, closing out, man. We got a, a last section: paycheck, rain check. Somebody's paycheck is te- taking a rain check. And surprise, surprise! This week it is Draymond Green. <laughs> everybody everybody knows the situation with Draymond Green and Jordan Poole. Um, you know, getting into the uh, physical altercation, there was a lot of rumors about what was said over the course of, uh, you know, some practices and things of that nature. I've, I've been hearing a lot of crazy stories. Not sure what's true, what's not. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so what's the craziest altercation y'all have seen as a pro? How is it handled? And, uh is there a code of conduct or a line you don't cross as uh, as teammates? Have I seen any? You know, man, I haven't had any, man. My my ten years <laughs> over here, man, I've never seen altercation with uh with players or coaches. Obviously, you might get talked crazy or pushed, but I've never seen anything like what I've seen in that video. Never. Uh, <laughs> you I, went to you, Iowa State, man. I know you seen something. <laughs> no, man. I've been never. It's pretty. It's been pretty good, man. I have not seen anything. Uh, probably the greatest player I played with was Royce, but <laughs> Royce is funny by far. Hey, listen, <laughs> Royce, Royce. Oh, hey, listen. Hey, I shit, I, I got into it with Royce in high school, AU, man. man I got into it with Royce, and uh, <laughs> at the end, when I went home that night, I'm like, you know, that was a bad, that was a bad business decision on you, man. You could have really hurt you. Royce, my dog now, but man, me and Royce got into it in the parking lot in Orlando, man, and I, I don't think I've ever swung that hard at somebody and missed. I swung so hard and missed. I fell down like two hands <laughs> on the ground. Hey, man, <laughs> like <laughs> they broke it up. They broke it up when I missed. Otherwise, it might have been bad. It, for it, me. Might, it could have been be bad, man. Right <laughs> I walked up on Royce. I was in this space, and when I went home, I'm just like, man, he could have really. You wouldn't it's, have made it out of there, dude. Yeah, bro. He's that's a big guy, man. That's a, yeah, I still remember when this guy. Uh, now. This guy was a. Uh, we were in the open gym, and one of the assistant coaches tried to kick him out of practice. And uh, he took a water bottle, and he threw it. The uh, Royce threw the water bottle to the other side of the court. Water went everywhere. And he told the guy, I was like, hey, you say something else, that's you next. The assistant coach just got up <laughs> and walked out the gym and went to his office. Hey. <laughs> I said, hey. Hey, hey, bro, you told him, hey, I'm going to throw you next. Hey, bro, he literally <laughs> got up and walked out. I'm not going to tell you what his hey, name was, but for sure he got up. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to get him out of here. Uh, man, I, I, I ain't going to say no names either, but the craziest thing I done had is uh, I, was, I was in uh, Israel. 
You know, in Israel, everybody know you can, you know. Indulge. Was you there when Goonie got, when Goonie got? <laughs> no, 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 that well, was Goonie, my. Goonie, Goonie probably done got knocked out. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how many dudes. I know I, you see I somebody put, trying I to fight Goonie. Goonie. I yeah, Goonie. I was saying. <laughs> hey, 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 we all played it Hulon, and I was going to bring Goonie up earlier, but I was like, let me let the show progress a little uh, bit. Oh, yeah. I oh, we bring up Goonie. <laughs> that's, that's, Goonie had me. Goonie. Man. You know how you grab somebody in the back of their neck? I had him yeah. in the back of his neck in a timeout one day, dog. He was talking crazy. I'm like, bro, hey, man, shut up. Goonie, <laughs> Goonie, different, man. Goonie, different. He used, he used to do that thing where he would win in practice or some shit, and the game point, he'd throw a pass and just run down to the bench and sit down, drink his eye. But, man, I used to want to go over there and just strangle this little motherfucker. Goonie, Goonie was different, man. That guy was different. <laughs> But no, nah, it wasn't Goody. I had a teammate who was, uh, you know, in Israel, obviously everybody knows if you, if you choose, you can, you know, you can smoke if you want to, whatever. But there was a little period of time where where uh, they kind of shut it down. It was like, oh, they're going to be tested. So mm-hmm. everybody had, everybody kind of quit. One of my teammates was going through a little bit of, you know, withdrawals or whatever it was. So he was mad at practice. Like he was in a bad, normally the happiest dude ever. He was in a bad mood at practice all the time. And one of this dude, Bookman, Carmel Bookman, man, said something. It wasn't even that crazy. This man sprinted across the gym and split his shit right here. He's still got the scar, man. We all in the group chat now. He sent the scar the other day talking about laughing or laughing about it. But he was blood bleeding down his whole shit. And Bookman, the nicest dude, like Bro, little skinny with, dude, chest. Play you play with Bookman? Yeah, yeah. So you know Bookman. Like Bookman ain't about to fight nobody, man. It was one, it, it was one of the things that was like, <gasps> But it was also, I was over there rolling like, damn, man. What you, what you doing, dog? So. <laughs> oh, man, I, I really oh, can't think anything, man. I done played with some some real professionals, man. I can say that, man. Real, real professionals. <laughs> that's, that's all I can say, man. Obviously, it's always, it's always one win. guy. It's always one guy on the team. One are the local guys that just out there just following, just yeah. trying to make your I life I punched hell. one of my teammates. I punched one of my teammates. <laughs> and it, yeah, for sure he was a local guy. For sure he was. Yeah, he was a local guy. He was one of those. He was one of them guys. Like he, you know, he's running during the walkthrough, just going way too hard. You know, yeah, and I just wasn't having it of, that day. It's always one of them. Yeah. You went to yeah. Stanford? You punching people out here? Hey man, I I was I went to Stanford, but I might as well lived in Oakland because I was uh, I was chasing hood rats. I was chasing hood rats. I was on the wrong side of town always. So, yeah, I always been with the shits. Oh man, that's funny, man. That's funny, baby man. Well, that's all we got for you, man. We appreciate you pulling up, man. I'm Jordan Taylor. That's Anthony Goods. Will Clyburn. We're gonna have to have you back, man, and, and love and appreciate. Good luck the rest of the year. We're gonna be pulling for you and supporting, man. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it, man. No doubt. Man.